0: The next day, John the baptizer again was standing with two of his disciples. As he watched Jesus walk by, he exclaimed, Look, here is the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. When Jesus turned and saw them following, he said to them, What are you looking for? They said to him, Rabbi, where are you staying? He said to them, Come and see. They came and saw where he was staying, and they remained with him that day. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon. One of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his brother Simon and said to him, We've found the Messiah. He brought Simon to Jesus, who looked at him and said, You are Simon, the son of John. You are to be called Cephas. This is the word of the Lord. Twice in two verses here, John the baptizer said, specifically, I myself did not know him. And in case someone had missed it, he said, I myself did not know him. But the one who sent me said, the one on whom the Holy Spirit descends and remains is the one for whom you have come. And then we begin the passage we've just read together. Four things I've underlined for you. Number one, John says, Look, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin, singular, the sin of the world. Matthew does not call Jesus Lamb of God. Mark does not call him Lamb of God. Luke does not call him Lamb of God, only John. And he does it again and again. Lamb of God. Where did he get that expression for Jesus of Nazareth? Scholars think at least three different places where John might have gotten that idea. One of those is in the second part of the prophecy of Isaiah. This is written by the prophet who was in Babylon, who knew that the northern tribes had been obliterated by the Assyrians almost 200 years before, that they had ceased to exist as a separate people. They became Assyrians. He was begging those who had been force marched all the way to Babylon not to not to become Babylonians, not to let the Babylonians see them crying, weeping, gnashing, falling apart, bickering with each other, but to be the suffering servant who took whatever was handed out. You remember the old movie Cool Hand Luke? where Luke is on a chain gang and says to those who make him cut weeds beside the road, you ask me to cut two miles, I'll cut three. You ask me to pave three miles, I'll pave four. There's a scripture there in the second portion of Isaiah that says, like a sheep before its shearers, he opened not his mouth. Israel was that suffering servant. Now, perhaps John, of course, sees Jesus as that suffering servant. Second place he might have gotten this idea is the Paschal Lamb, the Lamb of Passover. we know that that is important to John because where the synoptics, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, say that Jesus was crucified on a Friday at noon, John says the day before Passover, Thursday noon. Thursday noon the very time when the priest in the temple on Mount Moriah in Jerusalem are offering up the Lamb of Passover. A lamb without blemish, without spot. It's John that says those who were crucified on either side of Jesus had their legs broken so that they would die more quickly. But when they started to break the legs of Jesus they discovered he was already dead. To be sure they thrust a spear up into his side. He didn't even flinch. He was dead Hence, no broken bones like the Passover lamb. The only problem is the Passover lamb did not take away sins. The Passover lamb marked people of faith so that the death angel would pass over them in Egypt. Others see John talking about the apocalyptic lamb, if you would, the the lamb revealed at the end time. Scholars believe that John... Uh, After this dispersion out of Jerusalem ended up in Ephesus and from Ephesus a community of faith grew up around John and the stories that he told them about Jesus and that at least a generation later someone from that community wrote the Gospel of John someone from that community wrote the three letters of John someone from that community wrote the Revelation. You remember back in the summer when we were dealing with the Revelation, John, writing from the Isle of Patmos, just a few miles off the coast from Ephesus, said, In my spirit I was taken up to heaven, and I saw the throne of the Almighty One. And suddenly a scroll was produced, a scroll that would tell us all about the end time, but it was sealed. And someone asked, Who's worthy to break the seals? and read the scroll no one was found i started to weep i wanted to know what was in the scroll and someone shouted the lion of judah he is worthy the lion of judah and my eyes followed to see the lion and i saw a lamb a lamb the lamb of god will sing o lamb of god that taketh away the sins of the world have mercy upon us O Lamb of God, that taketh away the sins of the world, have mercy upon us. O Lamb of God, that taketh away the sins of the world, grant us your peace. Here in this statement from the gospel, the word is singular, sin. The brokenness of the world, the separation from the one who created all that is. Number two, John says, there he is. There he is, the one on whom the Holy Spirit had descended and remains, the Lamb of God. And two of his own disciples left and followed Jesus. And when Jesus saw them following him, he asked, What are you looking for? I think for John that's a really important question. must have been for Jesus, too. What are you looking for? In May, Gail and I were three weeks in Germany. We'd been before we were there when the wall was still dividing the city right through the middle of Potsdamer Platz. Uh, We wanted to go through the frame Brandenburg Gate. The wall went right on on one side of the Brandenburg Gate. You could only see communist soldiers. You could see huge dogs marking back and forth along the wall. Certainly, Brandenburg Gate is the place when Germans in Berlin go for some big, big celebration. It's at the Brandenburg Gate, and it's open now, and it's beautiful. They celebrated the 20th anniversary of the fall of the wall this past summer, and they did it at the Brandenburg Gate. All the activities ended there, but right beside the Brandenburg Gate now, they have devoted a city block to remember the Holocaust it's a stark reminder. Uh, it looks like a mausoleum. Uh, with some graves in granite three feet high, some four, some five. A block of them just grave, 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 jammed together, giving the ideas of many, many, many. You may be having a party at the Brennenberg Gaden right next to it. This remembrance of the Holocaust. There are many in Germany who are still struggling with how that could have happened in their country. How could that horrible 20th century have happened in our country? There's a new movie out that tries to address this same question. It's called The White Ribbon. The playwright goes back to the beginning of the last century, 100 years ago, to a little village up in northern Germany. It's told through the eyes of a school teacher who's also the choir master. He's telling what he experienced when he got there. Suddenly in this little village, someone's barn was burning, and they were sure someone had set fire to it. One night a doctor got on his horse to gallop off to help someone who was very sick, and someone had strung a wire across the road, and it, it, it brought down both doctor and horse when they hit it. The baron of the town who had more money and property than anyone else, someone savagely beats his child. This school teacher, choir master, is trying to make sense of all of this and as he lives in this little village he discovers bad things have been going on here. This physician is not faithful. He's promiscuous. The baron is not a nice person. He beats his wife. The creature is not a nice person. He's aware of sin in the world, and to keep his own kids from sinning, he beats them. And only if they do something exactly right does he give them a white ribbon. A white ribbon of purity. The movie goes on and on. How could this happen in a little village? And the movie ends in nineteen fourteen with the onset of World War One. Do you know why the World War came? Because things were rotten in the village. Why was the village rotten? Because life was rotten in each house, every house, every house. What are you looking for? How do you expect the world ever to be any different? How do you expect the world ever to be any better? What are you looking for? they said we want to go where you are where are you staying Now, this is an interesting word in Greek staying It can also mean abide it can mean remain you see John uses the word a few verses earlier when he said the one who sent me said the one on whom the Holy Spirit descends and remains abides stays with that one he's the one Later in the Gospel, John will say, Jesus told us it's important that you abide in me and I abide in you. That we remain with each other. Where is God? And if you find God, do you stay close? Do you remain with Him? Denzel Washington's been making the rounds of all the talk shows the last few days and nights. He's trying to sell his new movie, The Book of Eli. When I heard the title, I thought, oh no, another one of those. It's Nostradamus all over again. It's the Mayan calendar all over again. It's the Da Vinci Code all over again. Somebody's claiming that some strange book called the Book of Levi has been found. But that's not what it is at all. The movie is about an end time when some great catastrophe has swept over the whole earth and there's only one copy of the Bible left, and Eli has it. The book of Eli is the Bible. He has the only one left. He's got it in his backpack, and he's trying to take care of it. This is reminiscent of other times in history, the Dark Ages when the Roman Empire fell and big people beat up little people and rich people took from poor people sort of like today in so many places in the world the character Eli says at one point only yesterday we had too much and we didn't know what was precious and what was not And yesterday we were throwing away things that people are willing to kill for today the book the God of the book the people of the book where are you staying Lord come and see number four in the Synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke the first person who says I believe you're the Messiah of God, is Simon. In John's Gospel, it's Simon's brother, Andrew, who seeks out his brother and says, We have found the Messiah. Come, come and look, come and see, come and meet. And Simon walks up. In John's Gospel, Jesus knows everything that's going on. He knows the kind of person Simon is going to end up being. So the first time he meets him, he says, I'm going to call you Cephas, which is the word in Aramaic for Petros in Greek, which is Peter, the rock. I'm going to call you the rock. You're going to be my man. First time he meets him, you're going to be my man. I need you. Come. He wouldn't have been there, John says, if Andrew hadn't brought him. If Andrew hadn't brought his brother to the Lord. How important that you seek, know what you're looking for, that you believe the hope of the world, the one who can heal its brokenness, has come for us in Mary's child, Jesus. He is the Lamb of God. He is the Messiah of God. And that we're called to to remain where he is, to abide in him and he in us. Dr. John Buchanan, I mention him fairly often because I enjoy his writing. I'm blessed by his writing. Dr. Buchanan came to our church to give our Barton-Clinton-Gordy series some years ago. He's still pastor of the famed Fourth Presbyterian Church in Chicago. It's one of the most beautiful churches in America. It's right on that famed uh, Million Dollar Mile that Oprah talks about so much. John Buchanan writes good things just before Christmas he was writing that some people read one thing to help them get ready to preach at Christmas and others read other things some people read letters to Santa Claus and he said I pull down a book from my chef letters to God written by children it's one thing what children write to Santa Claus it's something else what they write to God in this compilation let me mention four dear God are you invisible or is that just a trick Lucy dear God thank you for the baby brother but what I prayed for was a puppy dear God maybe Cain and Abel would not kill each other if they had their own rooms it works with my brother And little Harriet wrote dear God are you real some people don't believe you are If you are, you'd better do something quick. When you hear the chimes in the ceiling, you'll know that God has come to the table.